trigger warning. This podcast is about grief. Whether you are newly bereaved or whether you have been stuck in grief for years, I do hope this podcast brings you some comfort. Grief is such a universal experience, but we all do it differently. This podcast is not about fixing you or forcing the healing process because there is no cure for grief. It can only be absorbed, experienced, loved and cared for. So whether you are doing it privately behind closed doors or like me, you are kicking and screaming your way through, let's support each other. This is a safe space where we can come together and share experiences. My hope is that this podcast shines a light on your path and gives you the strength to navigate your way through the grieving process. My name is Louise Bates and I'm so pleased we connected. I'm looking forward to interviewing people who have also walked this path to find out what worked for them in the hope that it helps you too. I'm sending you so much love and support and I look forward to sharing this crazy journey with you. Hello and welcome to this episode of A Gift for Grief. This is episode 20 and considering I'd only planned to do half a dozen episodes, I'm amazed at how it has grown over the weeks. Just when I think I'm recording my last episode, I get introduced to another fabulous guest and I have to record them. But this episode will be my last one for a while. I'm taking a break and will return with more guests very soon. What I'd like to do in the meantime is ask you guys for some feedback. Has anything in the podcast helped you? I want to know what you liked about the podcast, what you didn't like about the podcast and what questions do you think I should be asking my guests? Also, how long do you like your podcast to last for? I listen to so many podcasts that I now tend to avoid any that last longer than 90 minutes. Ideally, I like them to be between 30 and 60 minutes at the most, but what do you like? I want honest feedback. You don't have to be nice. Give it to me straight, guys. I can take it. I'm a lot tougher than I look. I do have a theme running through each episode where I ask my guests questions related to their personal grief story and then I follow on with the same questions I like to ask all my guests and I love all the various answers that come back to me. Now some of you have said you would like to know what my answers to these questions would be so episode 20 is me trying to answer these questions I ask my guests. Question one, what helped me to navigate my grief journey? I know a lot of my listeners will resonate with what I'm going to say here. Because at first, I just sat in my grief. I couldn't do anything else. Those early weeks and months, I couldn't escape it. I will never forget the pain in my body. It was a physical pain that painkilling tablets couldn't touch. The overwhelming emotions just made me feel like I was drowning, but I had a friend who would sit with me and I would talk and talk and talk. I am a talker and I know I'm an oversharer, but talking was my way of trying to make sense of something I couldn't make sense of. And talking helped me to process my thoughts. 
journaling really helped me too. I'd write down my feelings and thoughts on a daily basis and again this helped me to get it out of my head. After a few months I also started using EFT, tapping therapy, and I have to say it was the tapping therapy that really saved me from becoming stuck in my grief. As an EFT practitioner myself I knew how transforming it could be but I needed to be ready to work with it. You can't force the healing process. I'm very lucky because I have an amazing family and a good circle of friends around me and I know not everyone has this. But I also think my work as a therapist helps me because I have tools in my therapist toolkit that I could use on myself and after a few months I became my own therapist. I also read a lot of books on grief. In fact, I devoured books, which is strange because a lot of people going through grief find it hard to concentrate on reading. As time went on, I got back into meditation and then when I started working again, that really helped me. So for me, it was a combination of lots of things that helped. But having said all this, I'm still a work in progress. There's still work to do, but I carry my grief with love now. I care for my grief and nurture it. I can still be triggered if I see someone who looks like Matthew or I hear a particular song on the radio because it will always be sad that Matthew died and that will never change. But I'm learning to move forward in my life in a different way now and that's okay. Whew, moving on. (laughs) Question two. Did I find people were unsure how to be around me and not know what to say? Yes, definitely, but I totally get why. Because everyone is just winging it. Some people get it right and some people fail massively, which is one of the reasons why I am doing this podcast, to help educate people to become more grief literate. We need to talk about grief more and people need to hear these conversations. I remember walking through the town and seeing someone I knew and they crossed the road to avoid me and it happened in a supermarket with someone else when this person pretended to not see me and go into a different aisle. It's hard when this happens but I know a lot of my podcast guests also experience this so note to anyone listening, don't avoid us because you will be seen. Question three. How would I describe grief to someone who has never had a significant loss? That is a hard question to answer because everyone's experience is different. But I discovered a poem by G. Snow called Grief is Like a Shipwreck. And I'd like to read it out because I think it describes grief beautifully. Grief is like a shipwreck. In the beginning, the waves are 100 feet tall and crash over you without mercy. They come 10 seconds apart and don't even give you time to catch your breath. All you can do is hang on and float. After a while, maybe weeks, maybe months, you'll find the waves are still 100 feet tall, but they come further apart. When they come, They still crash over you and wipe you out. But in between, you can breathe, you can function. 
You never know what's going to trigger the grief. It might be a song, a picture, a street intersection, the smell of a cup of coffee. It can be just about anything, and the waves come crashing. But in between the waves, there is life. Somewhere down the line, and it's different for everybody, you find that the waves are only 80 feet tall, or 50 feet tall, and while they still come, they come further apart. You can see them coming, an anniversary, a birthday, or Christmas, or landing at O'Hare. You can see it coming, for the most part, and you prepare yourself. And when it washes over you, you know that somehow you will again come out the other side, soaking wet, spluttering, still hanging on to some tiny piece of the wreckage, but you'll come out. Take it from an old guy. The waves never stop coming. And somehow you don't really want them to. But you learn that you'll survive again. And other waves will come, and you'll survive them too. If you're lucky, you'll have lots of scars from lots of loves and lots of shipwrecks. G. Snow Question 4. Do I believe that grief has changed me in any way? Yes, I do. I'm no longer a people pleaser. I don't really worry what people think about me anymore. And I've always been an intuitive person, but I feel this experience has strengthened my intuitive abilities. Also, I never really cried before, but I cry a lot more now. I even cry at adverts, which I know is pathetic, but I don't care. Question 5. What words would I choose to express my condolences to someone? I loved asking my guests this one and all the answers were different. It's really hard to get it right because each situation is different. There's no one size fits all. What I tend to say is, I'm really sad to hear about and then say the name of the deceased person. Then I will share something really special about that person or a memory. Because what really helped me was when people who sent sympathy cards, for example, wrote special messages or memories inside. But it's not always about what people say. It's also about actions people take. I loved it when people cooked us a hot meal or bought us round a baked cake. A couple of people surprised us by dropping off shopping. So I've learned from the kind words and actions of other people. You know, someone left us what we thought was a tin of sweets on our doorstep with a lovely note saying they were still thinking about us. And then months later, when we opened it, we found a mouldy cake inside. We were gutted. Question six. Can I recommend any books, films, podcasts or groups to support people? Well, I love podcasts. I listen to lots of grief-themed podcasts, especially at night when I couldn't sleep. It made me feel like I wasn't alone. And I love to hear other people's stories and learn about what helped them. 
I needed to hear from people who were further along in their grief journey because it gave me hope, hope that I would one day in time feel better too. And I hope my podcast is giving people that hope. As for books, I have a library full of them. But my all-time favourite, which I still dip in and out of, is Divine Realisation by Patricia Mary Finn. It's a very small book and a very easy read. It's an autobiography of spiritual growth and it only has 100 pages. As for films, I'm not really a big fan of watching films, but when I need a bit of a spiritual boost, I have a DVD called The Shift, starring Dr Wayne Dyer. I have most of his books too because I love his teachings. I do hope, though, that my listeners will have picked up from my previous guests on things that they can recommend as well. Question 7. What words of wisdom could I share to help the listeners loosen their grief in some way? My words of wisdom are that time is not a healer. We are the healers. We need to put the work in. Because how we process our experience of grief and loss determines how we move forward. If we wait for time to heal us, we'll just become stuck in our grief. Time is just a vehicle that takes us along the journey. Question 8. Where am I in my grief journey now? My grief journey is ongoing and I will happily take it to my deathbed because my grief reminds me that I loved a very special person and for me grief is another word for love. It's not a bad thing but I'd love to share my husband's answer to this question because it's rather quite funny. So where are you on your grief journey now? Right, I've left the motorway, okay, and I've gone up a side road and I'm on a, a, one of those roads where it goes uh, not suitable for vehicles. Have you been following your sat-nav again? <laughs> <laughs> Question nine. Do I believe that grief has given me any gifts? Yes, I do, because I've met some incredible people. I've grown as a person... And I've found purpose through my grief. But I would happily give them all back to have Matthew here. Question 10. Do I have any special ways or family rituals to remember Matthew? Yes. I like to paint pebbles and leave them in different places, especially when we go away. We eat pizza on his birthday. And on special occasions, we place his photo where he used to sit at the table. We have a large lantern on the landing windowsill and my husband Bill turns the light on it every night. And we also talk about him most days because he's still part of our life and always will be. Question 11. What would I like people to learn from my experience? I would like people to understand that whether it's the loss of an elderly relative or a tiny baby, whether it's a sudden unexpected tragic death or death following a long illness, a person has died. And that person means a lot to someone, 
regardless of their age and regardless of how it happened. Someone said to me not long after Matthew died that their friend's mum had lost their son suddenly in a road accident and how much worse it was to lose somebody suddenly. I got the impression that this person thought I should be grateful that my son had a long illness because I had time to say goodbye to him. It doesn't matter how you lose someone. Each experience has its own unique set of dynamics surrounding the death and that should be separated from the grief. Grief is grief. A person has died and their death is felt by the people who love them. That sounds a bit of a rant and it wasn't meant to be, but I hope I got the message across. My aim was to emphasise the importance of separating grief from the specific events and circumstances surrounding the loss. I don't get into grief wars. Question 10. What are my thoughts about the afterlife? Well, I think people know I'm a little bit woohoo, but here goes. I believe that our physical body is a vessel for our consciousness or soul or energy or spirit, whatever you like to call it. And when our physical body dies, this energy leaves the body and goes to the next level, whatever that level is. I don't think that our current level of understanding can fathom out what that next level is. But I like to believe it's better than this existence. It brings me comfort to believe that Matthew is there. I also believe that the spirit knows everything. They know exactly how we feel and they want us to make peace with their death. I truly believe that when we make peace with our grief, this sends our loved ones peace too. Check out The Twins Parable by Pablo J. Louis Molinero. I'll share that in the show notes. I found it really helped me. My daughter Piper has an interesting take on the afterlife. She describes herself as a bad atheist. Take a listen. In my version of spirituality, it's almost like when somebody dies, they know everything in the universe. They know who you are exactly. This is something that I've been thinking a lot about, like, because obviously going back to me, the fact that I changed my name and the person I've become after Matt's died, I feel much more confident in myself. I'm happier. I've got a job that I really love. And these are all things that I just didn't have before Matt passed away. Mm. And there's part of me that feels really sad that he doesn't get to see that. He doesn't get to see me being happy. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like he just knows. Yeah. He just knows that I'm okay. Yeah. I don't need to say anything because he knows. But at the same time, it's nice to say. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think, you know, saying that I love him, that I miss him a lot, um, and that I just hope that whatever realm of existence he is in now, he can still look back at this occasionally and, like, wave and be like, hey, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, chuck a, like, football at someone now and then. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Question 12. Do I believe our loved ones can give us signs? Yes, definitely. Question 13. Have I had any signs? Yes, I have. Lots. In fact, too many to mention here. Question 14. If I could give Matthew one message, what would I say? I would say, I'm sorry. 
This was also my husband's answer to this question, but I would say sorry because I couldn't save him. As a mum, I felt I'd failed. I will never understand why Matthew died of cancer at the age of 27. Was it just bad genes? Was it an emotional trauma? Or was it the fact that he lived on bloody tinned hot dogs and wine gums when he was at university? I'll never fully understand. But my spiritual mind tells me it was a soul contract made between us before we were born into this world. I believe we chose this journey because it's all part of our spiritual evolution. I might be wrong, but I won't know till I die, will I? If I'm right, we'll meet again, and if I'm wrong, and there's nothing, it won't matter anyway. But my intuition tells me I'm right, and I'll take that. Bloody hell, I'm getting intense again. I don't want to lose any listeners, so I better stop here. I hope you've enjoyed these episodes. I've taken something from every single guest that's been on and I'm so very grateful to them all. They've all helped me in my journey in some way and I hope they've helped you too. If you haven't listened to my other 19 episodes, I recommend you take the time to tune in. If you like them, please give the podcast a good review and press the follow button. So, whether you are an atheist, agnostic, religious, spiritual, goddess of Mother Earth, etc, 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 we're all living in a human body and we all share the same emotions and feelings when someone dies. Let's come together through our shared experience of grief. Let's make the world a better place by communicating and being kind. I'm really looking forward to recording my future guests and hearing from you guys about what you want from this podcast. So please get in touch. Email me louise at heathcoatholistics.co.uk. Check out the show notes for all the links. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Gift for Grief. Please feel free to share it with your friends and family and let's encourage others to become more grief literate. If you're struggling with your grief or worried about your mental health, please do speak to your doctor. If you would like to join me on my social media groups, check out the show notes for all the links and I look forward to connecting with you next time. The music on this podcast was written and recorded by Matthew Bates and can be found on his two albums, Fight Back and Kaleidoscope.